going to be cold next week, huh? We can't get out of here soon enough. Yeah, good thing I stocked up on new sweaters. I got two in the mail. Well, I got one in the mail yesterday, one I went and picked up. Looking wearing, sharp today. Yeah, I'm wearing one of them today. I got the uh, Script Champs sweater from Rally House. And I got to say, I think it's a sharp sweater. It's a good look. That, Clean living. That is a, a well-done takeoff on the Cats script logo. I so, really think they did a nice job with that. As soon as I saw it, I was like, I got to have it. I got to have it. I wore it last night. I'm wearing it kind of two days in a row, but kind of not really. Less than 24 <laughs> hours total. I Because I, I got home after the show. I was like, oh, my God, it's here. It's like an early Christmas present for myself. And then I was like, I got to put – first of all, I was like – I'm always worried, like, okay, I just ordered clothes online. Is it going to fit? Right. And I slid it on, and it was like, it fits like a glove. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Felt really good. And the other the other uh, sweater I got was a Manhattan High uh-huh. 13-0 6A state championship football sweater. Nice. It's red. I'm not really a red-wearing guy, but it was a really sweet design. Mm-hmm. Really sweet. I had to get one, and I did so. It wasn't too expensive. It also fits well. Yesterday couldn't have gone better. Our trivia team got first place, and we're live on a Friday for the first time in a while. Welcome to the show, and by the way, get ready to buckle up. Get ready for a wild ride of a show, because big news coming out of Tuscaloosa. Our opt-out stakeout finally had a big break in the case, and we'll get to that later on here in the first hour. You may have forgot about this. Hopefully you didn't. The team is already in Kansas City. Big basketball game tomorrow at the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City. The Cats taking on Nebraska for a 6 o'clock tip. Pre-game will start at 5. It'll be on our sister station, 101.5 K-Rock, with uh, Manhattan High girls and boys basketball here on K-Man, beginning at about 3.45-ish. We'll have Mitch Palm coming up in hour two. I broke it down for you. Can the Cats get it done against a 6-5 and five Nebraska team? Mitch Palm got the algorithm back out, fluffed it up a little bit, and we'll get to that breakdown later on in hour number two. We'll hear from Jerome Tang as well later on this hour, but we're actually going to kick off the show speaking K-State women's basketball. There's a weekly interview with the head coach of K-State women's basketball. That is Jeff Mitty. Coach, your team is 9-2. Actually, before we get there, I wanted to ask you about uh, the holidays. Your Christmas yeah. shopping, are you done yet? <laughs> um, haven't started. <laughs> um, so, no. But but in fairness to me, um, I never start before um, games are done. So are you? Ba- so what you're saying? Are you like basically waiting for these two non cons that you still have before conference play to wrap up, and then you'll you'll cram for the last minute shopping? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And there's anything more than I dislike than shopping. <laughs> so um, I can say that that over the years uh, I, I I cannot stand to shop. So it does not take me long uh, because I can't stand it. So. Um, I'll be I'll be quick. Well now, okay, so that means that takes pretty much that takes, you know, like online shopping out of the question, right? Yeah, 
Um, I'm a better online shopper than a store shopper. Me too. I, I, I would say that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm better. Um, yeah, definitely online. Definitely online. Um, so anyway, I mean, I have an idea. It's not that I, it's not that I, I have an idea of what I want to get, you know, and I usually try to do some things that, uh, with the family that might be unique for their family. So, I mean, I have some ideas. I just don't like to do it. Well, if you have any ideas for me for teenagers, I could use a couple of them, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, boy, yeah, that, Santa would be, you know, <laughs> the it, it, it'll sound bad, but as our kids were growing up, and of course now they're all young adults and blah, 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 but it, when they were younger, um, I think there were some Christmases where the kids would open their presents and then show me their presents to see if I knew what they got. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that probably happened more often than it should have. So, Well, your team's 9-2, and two, a tough loss back on uh, on Saturday in Kansas City and South Dakota State, 82-78, that final. Teams come back, very good effort, but just a little bit short as uh, the Jackrabbits were making their free throws. But it seemed like I was listening to it on the way back from Dodge City. It felt like... Just couldn't buy a three for a long time. Some tough shooting there in the second quarter. Yeah, you know, we're we're kind of in a phase that, you know, we're only 11 games into us changing some things of what we wanted to do. And um, I think we've been pretty good at it. But I will say that I thought we were too hesitant. And while the numbers look like we shot a lot of threes, we felt like going back on film that we turned down some earlier looks that were better than the looks we ended up taking. And so we've got to find that balance. Um, we've got to find a better aggressiveness early and you don't want to be taking threes because at the end, your offense is stagnant. You want to be in attack mode the whole time. And uh, we felt like that uh, we missed some opportunities to stay in attack mode. Well, Gabby Gregory puts up 31 points. Um, she hit a milestone, which shouldn't be ignored, of course, even though, you know, I'm sure it was more, it would have been more fun to celebrate, of course, if there was a victory in Kansas City. But she reached 1,000 points and scored those 31 points. I mean, she seems like definitely that type of player that wants to put the team on her back when it's crunch time. Well, she's got an aggressive mentality. And, um, She's, she's had a great start to the year, big milestone in 1,000 points. Um, you're right, it, it puts a damper on it when you don't win the game, but um, big milestone for her, and she's certainly off to a great start. She's going to be one of the candidates, Mitch, across the country for comeback player of the year. Um, you know, she had a, a injury-riddled uh, health reason last year, but, um, you know, she's, she's performing at a high level. Also, want to ask you about Eliza Mop, and I don't think we've really—I don't think I've asked you about her yet. Um, especially you know, coming off a, a nice couple of games, the last couple of games, nineteen points total, five rebounds, playing about twenty minutes per game, especially in the last couple of games. But getting to the rim, scoring about fifty-eight percent on the season. What have you thought about her season so far? She's been this, the true freshman that has stood out this year. Well, great athleticism, and, and she's starting to learn how to use it better. She's a hard worker. Uh, she's putting up her time uh, with individuals. She's really got a really, really high ceiling. Really excited 
excited about her going forward. I think the biggest jump she's made in the last probably two weeks has come with just the pace that she's able to see things, the pace she's able to play. I think her defense has gotten better, um, but she's playing through adversity better, playing through physicality better. Just everything has just gotten a little bit better. But um, she's going to be an exciting one to watch uh, going forward because she probably has as good a jumping ability and athletic ability as, I, as I've ever coached. So after you know a stretch where, gosh, it felt like you played like six games in nine days or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but then you yep. run into a couple of weeks where you get like eight days between games or something like that. Heck, I think after non-con you get ten days off after or before the first conference game at Texas. So yep. how heavy are you recruiting right now? Uh, with that much time between games? You know, I was on the road quite a bit this week. I was on the road Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, got back late yesterday. Um, be back out early next week, kind of in between our Sunday-Wednesday game. So it's a good time for me to catch some games. Um, staff is also out some. Um, you know, you're kind of you're trying to balance having some decent practices during finals week but not go too long. And, um, you know, trying to stay sharp. Um, I think that's a big challenge this time of the year. Um, they've got a lot on their plate in terms of, um, you know, finals and all that. But, yeah, we'll get some recruiting done. And I was able to see um, one of our signees uh, the other night and excited about her. And um, we'll get to see a few more down the road here. Well, coming up next in Bramlage Coliseum, and it's a Sunday matchup against Northern Colorado. And that team is six and two this season. They were actually going to play at Omaha before they get here. Um, yep. But what stood out to me about them is they shoot well from three point range. Is that priority number one to try to slow that down? Yeah, it is. It is because they've got three high level shooters that are right around the forty percent mark, and um, they, they're playing a little different style on that. We have not faced a team that presses two two one back into 2-3, and we haven't faced a team committed to playing zone the whole time, and then you flip that to where they're at offensively, and they're a team that, you know, we have faced some teams like them, uh, Utah Tech, Northern Arizona, um, those teams always challenge you because they'll go five wide at times, and um, that can always be a challenge for Power 5 teams that are playing center, so um, they've got some good pieces, uh, but the three-point shot's going to be critical that we... Um, limit them, and also um, you know, force them into taking some tough shots. Well, Coach, a uh, couple, couple of non-conference games before the Big 12 slate gets here. Um, I think I should wish you more luck on um, on the Christmas shopping because I've been there where it's, <laughs> where it's last second and I hit an air ball. So uh, best of luck with the shopping and best of luck this next week with a couple of non-conference games. Mitch, I've got years of experience over you, so I'm confident <laughs> that I will uh, – I will um, rise to the occasion on December, uh, the evening of December 21st, uh, when all these games are done. So uh, have a good holiday. And um, yeah, if, uh, um, yeah, hopefully we can get together. And, and uh, I enjoy doing the show every week. So I appreciate you giving me the chance to be on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, boy, I can't believe it's nine days away from Christmas already. So I need, I still have more to do, coach. So I'm not, I'm not innocent over here. <laughs> Uh, with my Christmas shopping. I'm not done yet. But, yeah, appreciate your time, Coach. We'll talk to you hopefully next week. All right. Good luck, man. Thanks, buddy. See you.
That is K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty here on the game. Let's take our first break, and when we come back, again, big news regarding the Sugar Bowl and potential opt-outs. The Sugar Bowl opt-out stakeout really ramps up when we come back. If you want to check out Night Ranger, they'll be at the Steeple Theater in uh, Salina. I saw that. Coming up soon. I love I love Night Ranger. I'd love to go to that show. Which, by the way, I bought us some tickets yesterday. We're going to go see Janet Jackson in May. I still can't believe that Trey wants the full-on, uh, full meet Janet Jackson experience. Yeah, so he told me after the show, I was like, Travion... You know, if you want, I got a code and I, I said it on air. I was like, I got a code to get in the pre-sale before they go on sale today. And I, I think this is the best time than better time than ever to go get them before it, just in case they start to sell hot right today. And I even looked because we bought our I bought our tickets for us. And um, he, he thought about it. I was like, I offered to buy him a ticket. <laughs> so he had a seat. So he knew he would get because. For those that don't know, Travion, who's not with us today, is a huge fan of not only just Michael Jackson, but the Jackson family. The whole story, he's been to Gary, Indiana many times. He has gone to Vegas for the Michael Jackson experience. Okay. Get together like it's a yearly thing. Yeah. I Sort of the Soleil thing. Saw that, actually, so I know where he's coming from there. And uh, he, he's never seen Janet Jackson, and he wants to meet her and everything. Well, he was talking to me about he, – he turned down my offer because he wants to save up his money to meet Janet Jackson to do the VIP meet and greet. But the price tag on that is like twelve to 1500 bucks. Mother of God. That, that's uh, – as a college kid, and he is a hardworking kid, I think he's going to take 21 credit hours this next semester. And not to mention he also works an overnight shift at a convenience store. Oh. I can't even think about 21 hours and doing overnights. And he's willing to grind wow. to work up over $1,200 to meet one of his favorite artists. I admire the hell out of that. Absolutely. I wish I could just give him $1,200 and say, okay. <laughs> here you go. Uh, wow. But that will be a fun concert. Ludacris is opening. Which will like, be entertaining. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, absolutely. 14-year-old Mitch saw Ludacris opening. I was like, I'm in. Uh, in. Well, here's the other thing about that for me and Monica. It will be our first time to see a show at T-Mobile. You've never been? We've never been to T-Mobile, period. Hmm. Because it was built after we left. Sure. So, you know, we've seen more shows at Ball Arena than we've seen in Kansas City in well, a long time. You know, you could be going to T-Mobile this Saturday. Well, unfortunately, well, yeah, no, I should uh -huh. say unfortunately, uh, I will be going to T-Mobile. That left you to go do Manhattan High Basketball. Correct. Which is on a rare Saturday. But uh, that's still going to be some great games because Cape and Mount Carmel is one of the best teams in the state. Manhattan is trying to work its way back into the top ten. Um, but speaking of best... The Sugar Bowl, featuring two of the best teams in the country this season. Big 12 champions, the Kansas State Wildcats, and a team that did not play for its conference championship, the Alabama Crimson Tide, a two-loss Alabama team. 
We have been following this storyline since the bowl game was announced. We have been expecting to hear about some opt-outs for maybe not only just K-State, but also for the Alabama Crimson Tide as they have six players from the one of the last mob jack, uh, mock drafts I've seen to leave early and go into the draft and be picked in the first couple of rounds. We got our biggest update yet. I would say a crack in the case. The biggest development yet. It's time for the Sugar Bowl opt-out stakeout. And you know, Troy, when I'm staking out some folks, I need some music. But here in Tuscaloosa, it's just an absolute dump. You can't get anything around here. Got to adjust the antenna. Can't find the good stuff. Oh. Oh, lucky us. We caught Master of Puppets as it's beginning. Talk about the odds. Hopefully that's not a sign that it's a certain talk show that utilizes this as an open. I don't know what that is. Good. What show's that? Uh, I'm not even going to dignify with his name because he's just loudmouthed and... Is he, is he fine bomb? No. Who is Oh, I, I wish it was sports talk. No. Political talk. Oh, I, I still don't know. No, that has nothing to do with that. Uh, oh, thank goodness. Forever just, ruined the song for me. I just happened to find a radio station that nice. playing music that gets me pumped up. Nice. Because after the last announcement that we got today via ESPN, it's the biggest news yet. Our biggest crack in the case. Alabama outside linebacker Will Anderson Jr. and uh, quarterback Bryce Young, according to ESPN, are both going to play in the Sugar Bowl. And then... Nick Saban later on confirms to ESPN that he is not expecting a single opt-out for the bowl game. Now, let's go back to our first opt-out stakeout. I had mentioned I have six players on my radar that are top two round draft picks, first and second round draft picks most likely, that could opt out of this game. And that is the culture these days. It's not even just top two rounds. Later draft picks, third-day draft picks, they're opting out of bowl games. It's been happening for a handful of years now. But we're also talking about who will most likely be the number one draft pick in in Kansas City and Bryce Young and who's going to be a top-five draft pick in Will Anderson. And they're going to play. My initial reaction was, I just kind of thought to myself, okay. Bring it on. I feel like I'm the most excited for this game. It's not just the game, but just everything that has to do with it. It's in New Orleans. I love everything about New Orleans. It's the Sugar Bowl. Sugar Bowl's a big deal. The Cats play in New Orleans for just the second time ever. It's one of the biggest bowl games in history for K-State. And it's against the Alabama Crimson Tide. But now you're telling me that Alabama is going to give K-State its best shot? Let me tell you, Vegas has already adjusted its odds. It was like two and a half point favor for Alabama. Now it's like five and a half. And I've seen a couple of things like it could be up to like seven and a half now. Let me that, tell you, that would be dumb. The status of this game has, I think, has risen greatly. There, If K-State were to beat Alabama and they didn't have Bryce Young, they didn't have Will Anderson, they did have Jordan Battle, Bryce Branch, or Brian Branch, Malachi Moore, Jameer Gibbs is another big player that surprised that he might not be opting out. The running back, very good running back. Mm-hmm. He's a dual threat mm-hmm. running back. 
in both rushing and receiving like Deuce Vaughn is. He's not going to opt out. It appears to be from Nick Saban. It's changed because now, I mean, K-State has now become America's team. There would be an asterisk just like if you go back to last year's bowl game. LSU had a ton of opt-outs, a ton of injuries. Their quarterback was a wide receiver. I mean, we were all very confident going into the Texas Bowl last year that K-State was going to stop LSU. I think both of us the day before, when we were doing a two-hour show after the pep rally there in Houston, that K-State was going to probably win by at least three scores, and they did. But there was still some pride there because you beat an SEC team. There were some bragging rights, I guess. Trash talk, of course. But we knew that they were missing a bunch of guys. And it will never be mentioned as like one of the great wins in K-State history. You just beat a great program. On top of that, it was also a good return to bowl season after not having been there the year before. A complete turnaround from what we had seen the season before and, and what the locker room was like. They got Coach Kleiman his eighth win for the second time, and now Kleiman's at ten wins. You're off to the Sugar Bowl, and you rarely get to play Alabama. Heck, this is just the second time since the college football playoff has been here. We've had it that Alabama will not be in the playoff. So they they Alabama and Nick Saban, they don't deal with a lot of opt-outs. It's not really a thing for them. You know, maybe that's the, it was already the culture at Alabama. They're, they're ride or die throughout the end of the season, even if you're a junior and you're ready to go to the next level. Sophomore, junior, whever, ready to go to the next level. First, got to play in the playoffs because it's a national championship to win. Right. But now you know that the Cats aren't going to get a whole lot of love. <laughs> Shout out to Led Zeppelin. As we get closer to the bowl game, which is what, 15 days from now? Yes. It's a good part. I'm going to turn it up. God, I, this song really gets me pumped up, and it wasn't because of Stranger Things. <laughs> no, I it, this, this news actually makes me more excited. It makes me more excited for this game. I, I think I'd honestly rather have K-State... And, you know, I'm sure the pep- preparation, you know, when the coaching staff isn't out recruiting, and they've been doing a lot, of course, since the regular season wrapped up, but any prep that's been taking place, if practice has started, and I'm not, I'm not sure if it has or not, to be quite honest with you, but I'm sure the prep has been put into those guys playing. You have to. And the offensive line is now going to play against the best defensive end slash linebacker they've played against. Bryce Young is a Heisman Trophy winner who I, I – I voted last year for the Heisman, Will Anderson, and Bryce Young, one and two. Now, I did not put a Alabama Crimson Tide player in my top three this year. Smart. Have I, have I, have I said who my top three, my Heisman I, vote for, was? I don't recall. I, w- I went Kayla Williams, one. I went uh, Max Duggan, two. Yeah. And Bijan Robinson, three. Makes sense. I, I really felt that Bijan Robinson was uh, underrated when it was all done. 3,000 passing yards this year, 27 touchdowns, five interceptions. Oh, good year. Here's a surprise, though. Yes, they are projected to go in the top five, but Bryce Young had a, had, a, had a shoulder injury this year. Yes. He's been a little banged up. He missed the A&M game. Yes. And Alabama was able to grind that one out. 
but you know, projected to go first overall, has dealt with a shoulder injury. Yeah, I mean that is a little bit surprising. It is impressive though that they are going to play. That it, it's res- it's very respectable, very respectable that they're gonna not go with the trendy thing to do. I mean, heck, Texas has a ton of guys that have opted out, including Bijan Robinson. I think Oklahoma has had a has had a decent amount of guys opt out. I mean, the Cure Bowl is going on right now, and I think a number of those players have opted out. And that's UTSA and Troy. By the way, Troy looks like they're about to score, and they just did, as a matter of fact. They have just taken the lead against UTSA, so if you have UTSA winning in the confidence on the Bull Mania thing on ESPN, well, Troy has taken the lead for the first time in this game, it looks like. I'm just looking at one of the numbers, though, that is going to be huge as we get closer to look at turnovers oh yeah Alabama is right at about even for the year yeah they which are. is not their normal no I mentioned that I think I mentioned that last week because we brought up the conversation of all right if we were if Casey were to play Alabama now the way the team currently stands which basically still stands the same way the only other opt-out since we had the last you know Sugar Bowl opt-out stakeout was Aaron Anderson, who has basically not played the whole year because of an injury. Right. Let's go back to that because when it comes to the transfer portal, they have had 13 players jump into the portal. Now, at wide receiver has been the biggest difference for Alabama. Treshawn Holden, who has 25 catches this year, six touchdowns, is in the portal. Christian Leary, not really a factor, but he's in the portal. Uh, JoJo Earl's a big one because he was all-freshman SEC. He was their return specialist. He also had a couple of scores, uh, 155 yards receiving. Again, not huge numbers, but he was a return specialist. Uh, he is into the transfer portal, and one of their backup running backs is in the portal. Other than that, they have a starting lineman that's in the portal. That's really it. So, I mean, is Alabama still a little bit intimidating? Sure. They're Alabama. Are they non un- unbeatable? Absolutely not. A very beatable team. And I think later on in the show, we can talk about how now K-State is America's team heading into December 31st. But right now, sorry, Slayer, but I'm going to pod you down. I'm just <laughs> glad I can shower now. I can go say hi to the family. It's been a long couple of weeks. Eat a real meal. Instead of doing fast food all the way through. I've put on 12 pounds. God. My beard is very scruffy. Like, literally, it is really scruffy. Yeah, well, there is that. Uh, And I need to do laundry. Okay, when we come back, let's jump into some K-State hoops. Nebraska waits the Cats tomorrow at the T-Mobile Center. We'll get the best of Coach Tang from his presser after these words. I'm digging the tunes, man. Digging the tunes. Got that real Friday weekend is here vibe. Working on... At least my kind of vibe. These, these are some that I've gotten in the system but haven't gotten in the rotation just yet. I love seeing uh, earlier today one of the assistants dream dowling for K-State Hoops as a team bust over to Kansas City today. The, the bus had TVs and they could watch a movie. They decided to watch, and I'm sure you know Coach Tang was in charge of this move, they watched Miracle in Manhattan. Nice. Drum Tang had told us, I don't know how long ago this was, but he was like, he was like, let's see, what's the right? Encouraged, 
uh, gosh dang it, what I'm totally blanking on words right now. But anyway, um, inspired, my God, inspired by the Bill Snyder story, sticking around here to be the head coach, turning down job offers to stick around, and that has inspired Coach Tang. So maybe uh, using some of that Bill Snyder wizardry <laughs> on his team. I love the move. Will Mitch Palm consider that a factor for tomorrow night? you have to tune in at 525 for that answer. But for right now, a little preview of Nebraska, a few uh, comments about his team. Here's the best of Jerome Tang from yesterday. How important is this game because it does – they're playing much better at Nebraska. It kind of replicates what you want to say. Yeah, no, it's um, a really good uh, test for us. You know, Fred obviously does a great job with those guys. Their defense from last year is much improved. You know, we had a, a coach at Baylor um, named Tim Maloney, and we would have these long meetings about what we needed to do to win and how we should guard certain things, and he wouldn't say anything in the meeting. And as soon when it was over, he would stand up and say, I hope we make shots. With these guys, you gotta make shots, you know, and because they're gonna guard, you know, inside the arc and the paint and make you have to shoot threes, you know, and if we just settle for a bunch of bad threes that we don't give ourselves a chance to get an offensive rebound by moving them, uh, it's gonna be a long night. So I, I hope we make shots. It seems that their season kind of flipped when they had Derek Walker back. What's he done to be that kind of difference maker? <laughs> have you watched him? I mean, they say he's 6'9", but, I mean, Zach Eady didn't bother him. You know, I mean, his length, his ability to score, I thought he was left-handed, right? I, I was watching film and, you know, just watching some games on and off. And, and then when we were doing the scout, one of the guys said, you know, he had a big kid, Walker. And I said, yeah, the left-handed kid. And they said, no, he's right-handed. I mean, he can score over either shoulder. He takes his time when he catches it. He's not rushed. When you have a guy like that that probably commands a double team, then somebody's going to be open and then you get good ball movement. So, you know, and he's from Kansas City, so you know he's going to be fired up to play back home. And so that's, yeah, he's he's he's, a, he's tough, hard to guard. You obviously coached against Frankie's for a few years when you were at Baylor. He's obviously having a lot more success now with his facilitation and assist numbers being up. Can you describe what you think has allowed him to do that more this season? Well, there's an easy answer. But I don't know how to say it without somebody being mad about what I said, so I'm not going to give you that easy answer. I think that Marquise is learning how important it is to get all of his teammates involved and is gaining great joy in watching his teammates have success and realizing that when that happens, it makes the rest of it easy for him because by nature, the thing that gets him going is scoring, right? And and I understand that. And we, you know, I've coached score, guards who like the thing that got him going was seeing the ball go in the hole, so um, I understand that. But he's really embraced it, and it's it's really a sacrifice to him, his ego. But it makes his game so much better, and it makes us better as a team. Previous staffs, they've always tried to play at least one game in Kansas City or Wichita every year. Is that something you want to continue in the future? Uh, I'm going to talk with Casey Scott and find out what's best for our athletic department. What I'd normally like to do is play neutral site games in areas that we recruit so that way we can use it as a carrot. You know, for a kid, hey, we're going to play in Dallas or we're going to play in New Orleans or we're going to play. So, you know, I, I, I want to recruit the state if there's a kid here that can help us win. And so if that helps us in recruiting, then 
it's something I want to do. Before the season, you said Naquan, because he was a JUCO, sometimes it takes them to the conference late. Mm -hmm. Is he getting close to where you want him to be right now? Yeah, he's, you know what he did? He started fast, yeah. right? I mean, I think he started a lot faster. I, I, he surprised me. I thought it would take a little bit longer, but I thought the early success made him relax. And then teams had a scouting report and his energy level wasn't the same. And he's an energy guy. And if he doesn't play with energy, he, he's not good enough, you know? And so, but I felt like the last few games, his energy has been high and therefore his production has been high. So I'm hoping that he learned that and it continues to grow. What do you remember most about Fred Hoiberg's teams at Iowa State? Offensively, they were hard to guard hard to guard his spacing and he runs so much stuff a true story tv camera caught a clip of his play call sheet and it was in his hand and the camera got a hold of it and we blew it up and there were like 60 calls that you can make out and we thought we had fred hoiberg's call sheet right oh man we got 60 of them and uh then we went to play them at their place and somebody had draw, lost a, a sheet, like it was like either thrown away or whatever. There were like 200 calls on the front and back of it. And we're like, God, we didn't even have like an ounce of his thing, you know? And, and if you ever watch him, he used to use, have this thick white pad that had a half court on it. And he has a, a marker and he, in timeout, he just brings him in. He says, we're gonna do it. And he draws up a play and he rips it off and he throws it in the trash can. And I mean, he's just like, like so, Playing his teams, it's less about actions and more about personnel, and he tries to manipulate and put his guys in a position to operate in their strength in space. And so that's one of the things we'll have to figure out how to shrink the space, but still, you know, guard the guys. Before your most recent game, watch Bebe go through a little bit of a workout by himself. Where's he at right now in his recovery? He, he's getting close, getting close. We'll see how he responded to practice today. How would you rate the way uh, Ish has played this season? Ish is trying to learn what it takes to win the way we want to win. And so um, I think there's a, a battle, an inner battle with him trying to figure out how that fits with who he is as a player and what has allowed him to have success in the past uh, as opposed to how we want to play and what we feel is going to allow us to have success moving forward. But. We're, we're working on it. A little bit earlier you talked about um, pace of play and possessions. Where do you guys want to be in terms of a full 40 minutes and amount of possessions you guys have? Somewhere like between 70 and 72. You know, I think that is, but you know, I'm, I can say like, man, I'd like to play this way. And you know, then like, I mean, I don't know if you watched the Missouri Kansas game, yeah. right? Like, I mean, Missouri wants to play fast. I love Dennis Gates. I think he does a great job, great coach and everything. But um, I don't know that if I'm, my team is playing against another team that is physically better than us, if it's smart, right, for me to play more possessions and fast and allow them to play in space. So in football, right, you shorten the game, right? We stay longer in the huddle, we take our time, grind out, long drives, keep the offense off the field. And, and I think as we move forward, there's, it, it's not, we are not good enough yet where we make everybody adapt to us. And so moving forward now is we're playing better team. Every team we play from here on out, we can play well and they can still beat us. Okay, that's just what the nature of it is. and. So we have to control certain things, and at some point in time, it's going to be tempo. It won't be 70. You guys obviously have a game on Saturday and Wednesday. The guys go home for a little bit. What's the 
challenge of having to deal with the Christmas break, and then they come back, and then you got a game. The weather, if they make sure they get back on time. I mean, that's like, I think the Christmas break is, is great. Um, I used to before, before probably about seven years ago, you know, you'd hear about John Calipari's Christmas boot camp, you know, especially when he was at Memphis, you know, and uh, the guys would stay, they would do two-a-days, his teams improved the most during that time, you know, all of that. And, uh, and then I think about seven, maybe seven, eight years ago, uh, we started giving our guys um, five days off for Christmas uh, at Baylor. And I mean, we felt better, they felt better. It just, I, I'm telling you, it just made all the difference in the world. That's why I'm like, I'm not married to a lot of things, but I'm married to playing Thanksgiving uh, multi-team events and giving them five days off for Christmas. Five days off for Christmas. That was the best of Jerome Tang yesterday leading up to the game tomorrow against Nebraska. I've managed to get four days off for Christmas. I am amazed that a coach does that at this point in college basketball, honestly, because I know how tough it is for them to do it, especially if your conference decides to start up even before you reach New Year's. I, I could see Jerome Tang like that, that mandatory five days off could be every year because I, I would bet that – the whole Christmas holiday break, it's it's a year by year case. Mm-hmm. On you know, it, it could it could it's a wide range of scenarios that could determine, and of course the schedule. Sure, on just well, how long you can take off. Yep. Remembering that I've been a guy that has traveled literally on the twenty sixth with a team. A five day break for th- for Christmas is that's a hell of a break. That's a wonderful break for a college basketball team. Absolutely, but, but Coach and he said it. I. He is determined to play Thanksgiving week, the play a tournament, and always make sure that Christmas is off. So there you go, K-State. Future K-State players, if you want to not play during Christmas, this is the place to be. All right, hour number two, man, are we busy. We'll continue with the discussion of K-State basketball against Nebraska tomorrow at the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City with Mitch Palm. The algorithm was back at work. Again, does Mitch Palm say the Cats get it done in Kansas City on Saturday? Stay tuned. That's coming up at 525. But Kansas State is now America's team. We'll tell you why. Coming up next, all show local news around the corner.